0: This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community, inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning, Journey. What a wonderful day to be together, right? We need rain. (laughs) Today... I want you to remember high school. Now, for some of us, that's quite a stretch, I know. And maybe if you're like me, you don't even want to remember high school. But you remember, don't you? There were groups everywhere. Everybody had to belong to a certain clique. There were labels on everything and everybody. What group are you in? Are you one of the jocks? Maybe you're a shop kid. Or... A, um, I don't know, smart kid, huh? I don't want to call them nerds, because that's basically what I was. (laughs) (laughs) Or anybody else, whatever group you belong to, and you walk into the cafeteria, and you have to sit only at certain places, right? You're looking around for a place to sit, and you say, I can't sit over there with that group, and I don't want to sit with those people. Where's my group? You got to go find your group. We have all these labels that we put on ourselves, groups that we think we have to do, in a sense, where we have to find our identity someplace. And high school, I think, is the best way to represent that, although we do it basically all our lives, don't we? Labels. Well, in front of you is a uh, welcome card, connect card, in the seat back in front of you. And we'd like to get one of these from everybody. You can put your name out in there and some other information, prayer requests if you want to. But also on there, I'd like for you to write what group you were in high school. Write down whatever group it was. Now, understand, we're not going to go back and check. So you can actually write down any group you want to, okay? Labels. Somehow we put them on others, we wear them ourselves, and eventually we come to this place where we find outcasts. People that don't belong to a group. Like, for instance, I'm thinking back, and I remember there were several handicapped kids in my high school. But they didn't belong to the other groups. And I don't know, maybe that was our problem. We didn't include them somewhere. Um, some, a couple of them kind of made a group on their own. But that's not very good, is it? Why didn't we include them? It seems like every level of our society has certain orders, certain plateaus or levels that we assign to people, labels that we put on people and on ourselves as well. Jesus did not do that. Jesus did not label people. That's what we've been studying this month. We've been looking at several different kinds of way that Jesus basically when reached out to any kind of person, no matter who they were, what their situation was, what they had done, or anything about them, Jesus reached out to them. In Jesus, there are no outcasts. Jesus includes everybody. One of those guys we talked about was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And to be a tax collector meant, first of all, that you weren't, uh, a very nice guy <laughs> because you're working for the enemy you actually pay a price pay money to take this position and you're actually paying the occupying army in order for you to collect taxes from your own people so in other words nobody's going to like you <laughs> and that's who Zacchaeus was this guy that really nobody liked but he heard about Jesus he wanted to meet Jesus and Jesus went and had dinner with him And it changed Zacchaeus' life. We've been looking at several little instances uh, that Jesus did throughout. Especially, these are recorded in the Gospel of Luke. Luke seems to have this special focus. He wants to show us truly that Jesus reached out to everybody, no matter who they were. And throughout the Gospel of Luke, we see these stories of how Jesus reached out to all different kinds of people. You know, even women. Jesus had women as disciples. And in that day, that was a scandal. To have Jesus and the disciples, including women, going around the countryside, that was bad. But that just shows Jesus reached out to everybody, no matter what. That's what we see in the Gospel of Luke. And compare that, we, we look at the Gospel of Matthew and say that Matthew is a gospel that's written for Jews. Okay, well, Luke is a gospel that wants to go beyond that. And and basically to say that Jesus is the Savior of the entire world. Jesus did not come just for one people, not just for Jews, not just for religious people, not just for good people. Jesus came for everybody. There is no discrimination in Jesus. You know the little line you read sometimes or you hear read? We do not discriminate according to race, color, Sexual orientation, gender, uh, disability, and it goes on and on. It seems like the list keeps getting longer and longer, too, doesn't it? The businesses or organizations want to put it out there, we do not discriminate. That's kind of funny, because you know we all do. But at least we're supposed to say, illegally, that there is an equal opportunity. Jesus, however, truly did not discriminate there were no labels there was no one that he was not willing to reach out to there was no discrimination today we're going to look at a story that's found in Luke chapter 7 this is a story between uh, two people and we'll find that they are labeled they have labels on them uh, and one label is supposed to be a good label and one label is supposed to be a bad label but it really didn't matter because they're both equal And Jesus is reaching out to both people. He's concerned about both of them. This story is found in Luke chapter 7. And I'll I'll read it to you. The words will be back behind me. Maybe you have a smart device or your Bible with you. You also want to to follow along. This is the story of Simon. And we don't have a name for the other person. We'll just call her the woman. Simon and the woman. Found in Luke chapter 7 starting in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears, Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts of both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Hence, she has shown great love, but the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this that even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So notice in this story, we have another dinner that Jesus is at. Jesus has been invited to dinner, and dinner becomes a very important part of this context. Uh, As Joe's been sharing with us, uh, all the other stories we've been talking about, there was a dinner that was there. Uh, Dinners are very important. We have a dinner following this meeting. And uh, you can come and, and share in that dinner, find out more about Journey. And sit at any table you want to. You don't, don't get a label for this dinner. But dinners are important, and, and Jesus one time compared heaven to a great banquet. Uh, we talk about that the most important celebration that we have as Christians is the Lord's Supper, or Communion, or Eucharist, whatever title you want to put upon it. But it's sharing in a meal together, a meal that remembers Jesus. Meals are very important, very significant, and it tells us a lot about somebody when they eat and they sit down and eat together and that's what's happening here Uh, but let's look at these people these two people in particular and find out what's going on the real underlying thing here is about reputation what kind of reputation do they have what is really happening here and what we're going to find is that their focus like most of us is on the outside we focus on things that are external to us instead of what Is internal to us. Look at Simon. Simon is labeled a Pharisee. Now, that's a very good label. Sometimes when we talk about Pharisees, uh, we see them through the eyes of the early church, and it comes across negative. But in Jesus's time, a Pharisee is a very well-respected person, a person who was honored by society, has a very important place in society, one of the pillars of society, if somebody had a problem, they would go to a Pharisee because that Pharisee supposedly would help them. That would be the point. After all, they're not politicians. Come on. These are very important people. Pharisees were well-respected and very well-honored in their day. But here is Simon inviting Jesus to his house for dinner. Now, let's try to get into Simon's mind a little bit. What is Simon trying to do? What kind of guy really is Simon? What is he really Uh, wanting with Jesus. Now what we see in this story is that Simon seems to be looking for something more from Jesus than actually what he was even willing to give to Jesus. Did Simon invite Jesus over because he wanted to honor Jesus? It doesn't seem that way. If he wanted to honor Jesus, then he would have done to Jesus. The things that jesus said he would have provided water to wash his feet he would have greeted him with a kiss he would have anointed his head with oil and simon didn't do those things simon treated jesus as an ordinary person now there wasn't anything wrong with that it was just like inviting a friend over and say "Hey, come over we'll have a little dinner no big deal nothing formal The difference would be that if you invite the governor over over the president or the king or anybody, uh, somebody really important, then you would do all these special things that Simon didn't do to Jesus. So Simon really wasn't trying to honor Jesus. It really seems that Simon was jealous of Jesus' popularity. Simon seems to be the kind of guy that likes to tweet everything about his life. You know, he wants everybody to know what's going on. So he sends out all these tweets all day long. Simon is the kind of guy that posts on Facebook and then goes back and see how many people have actually clicked on like. How many likes has he gotten for that post? It's all about popularity. Simon wants to stay in the spotlight. Simon wants everybody to know who he is. And so he thinks, if I invite Jesus to my house for dinner, people are going to like me too. Because Jesus, of course, was eminently popular. Jesus was the people's favorite. And it seems then that uh, Simon in reality was trying to test Jesus. He wanted to see if Jesus was for real. He'd heard about him, probably even heard him speak. And we see this test when the woman actually comes up and starts washing Jesus' feet, and the first thing out in Simon's head is if this man were really a prophet Simon's testing Jesus he's trying to put Jesus on the spot and if he's like the rest of us in all of our groups it's this competition that we have my group's better than your group my label is better than your label we're trying to focus on these external things and reflecting on the uh, things in, in life that really aren't important at all and we're neglecting the things inside because you see simon on the outside was perfect he was religious people respected him sounds like he had it all together but what Jesus' story here even shows us is that simon was empty on the inside He was missing something. And the thing is, Simon himself didn't even know what he needed. He didn't even realize that there was something he was missing. So Simon didn't even know to look for forgiveness. Maybe too many of the times, like us, he just swept the problems under the rug, pushed them out of sight. As long as nobody sees those things, then we don't have to deal with them, right? Right? On the other hand, we have this woman crashing the party. (laughs) She wasn't invited. Now, it might seem like a strange situation. How did she get in? Uh, But we have to understand really what's happening here. To have a a dinner party, there's no room in any house large enough to actually have a dining room, even a kitchen. The kitchen is outside in the courtyard, and then you basically just have a place where you're going to eat out there in the courtyard. So the woman might have to actually pass through a gate or something, but she is in a public area, basically. She is in a, a part, not really not at the house itself, but a place that's connected to the house. So she comes in, and also, when they're eating, they're eating in Greek and Roman style. They have a very low table, and they're lying on cushions. that You lie on your left side, and you use your right hand to pick up some pieces of food and put it in your mouth so your head is facing the table and your feet then are back away outside of the circle so the woman comes up to this setting and she can walk around and find jesus and, and start working on his feet now it would be obvious to everybody else but jesus didn't seem to care at all he didn't let it bother him one little bit here is this woman and simon sees her and immediately simon puts a label on her Oh, that's one of those deplorables. She's a sinner. Now, when Simon says sinner, we know what he means, right? It's not just like the rest of us are sinners. This is a sinner, a prostitute. Now, I don't know how he knew that. Maybe she was dressed in the way prostitutes dress, uh, She had her hair down. That was one thing. That was not good for women of that day. Now, women today, that's not a big thing for us, right? We don't care if you wear your hair down. But back then, that was kind of a symbol. That was a sign that you're looking for something. Uh, She had this ointment, very expensive ointment that she used in her business. That was part of it. Maybe that's how Simon knew. I hope there wasn't any other way that Simon would have known who she was. Of course, maybe just... It's a small town. Everybody knows who the town drunk is. Everybody knows who the thief is. Everybody knows who the prostitute is, right? Maybe that's just the way it was. Simon knows this woman. And he thinks that Jesus doesn't. But the woman comes in and, and does this tremendous honor to Jesus. Washing his feet. And she washes with her own tears. She dries them with her long hair. She has this very expensive ointment in an alabaster jar that she pours on his feet. What a great honor. And Simon can do nothing but condemn her, label her. I see uh, three elements in this story that I think relate to what we, in ourselves, what we today need. And the first really is a relational concept. A... Uh, a way of how we treat other people, of how we live our lives. And that's the problem, I think, for us in the first place. We are just like Simon. We tend to focus on the outside, the external features, our outward appearances, what others think about us. And instead, we really ought to look at our inner character. What is inside for us? To look at our character and then to build relationships that assert that character. First with God. That our relationship with God becomes first, primary. And then we can build relationships with others. Our world really likes labels. Uh, and probably the most prominent, the most obvious place for that is politics. In fact, if you go to vote in the primary, you got to label yourself, don't you? I am a Republican or a Democrat. Independence, but we use all kinds of labels: uh, progressive, liberal, libertarian. Uh, we use all these things, and the thing is, we expect somehow in our minds well, the reason that we use these labels is because we think we think that defines the position of that person, <coughs> and we can't be more wrong because you can't define somebody with just one label or even multiple labels. Labels really can't define us. And yet we try to use them. We keep putting them on both ourselves and others. And then I think our society has taken that to an extreme. We have made it worse. Because we have groups of people, not only that take these labels, but now promote these labels. And say, this is my label. And nothing else matters. It would be the same as if this prostitute comes into this dinner party and suddenly announces, Hey, I am a prostitute, and I am proud of it. (laughs) And nobody can keep me from it. That's the way it seems like we wear labels in our world today. Our society seems just to be be caught up in this, uh, you know, choose your label, wear it proudly. Jesus didn't do any of that. He didn't get caught up in the games. Those silly high school games that we play. Jesus didn't use labels. Truly, with Jesus, there was no discrimination. We have a saying that you know a person by the company that they keep, and there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, you look at a person in the group that they identify with, and you, 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 you at least discern something about their character Uh, Benjamin Franklin took that to the extreme he said if you lie down with dogs you get up with fleas there is something about the company that we keep but you see with Jesus it was different now everybody looked at Jesus all, all the religious people especially And they tried to peg Jesus exactly because of that. Oh, look, he eats with tax collectors and sinners. So that, therefore, makes Jesus just like them. No, it didn't. Because Jesus had a character that rose above that. Now, the reason we have that little proverb, no person by the company they keep, or... or, uh, Uh, those things we teach our children watch who your friends are don't go with people who are going to get you into trouble because it seems like for us one of the, the the biggest uh temptations that we have is whenever we're with somebody we always lower ourselves to their standards and you see that wasn't jesus jesus never did that Jesus never bore the people's problems that he was with. He never lowered himself to their level. But he raised them up to a new level. And that's what I mean by our character. The inner quality of our lives. That we develop a stability, a steadfastness. That we will not lower our standards because of the crowd that we we are with. We won't allow them to infect us with their issues that we will have a character that will help raise them up to a new level. I think our problem is exactly illustrated by these two people. Um, we, we see them, and we, well, we, we see them deceiving themselves in, in two ways. They deceive themselves. You have the woman, and she's coming to Jesus because she has this attitude and she's probably had it all her life she keeps saying to herself I'm not good enough I'm not worthy and that could very well be why she's in the situation that she's in she's been harassed all of her life and she's taken that internally and feels like she can never overcome those things And then you have on the other side, Simon, who is so busy comparing himself with others that he says, I am better than you. And he thinks that's a good thing. He thinks that that gets him ahead somehow, that it's a competition. And it's not a competition. And so you have Jesus' story and uh, talking about somebody who has a great debt and somebody who has a little debt. And Simon thinks the little debt doesn't matter. And he's deceived. I think also, though, there is something about our community that this addresses. And by community, I mean us, the church. Because I'm afraid that when the world looks at us, they see Simon instead of Jesus. Jesus. church is on earth to represent Jesus. God has commissioned us to represent Christ. And yet I think the world sees us as Simon. And understand what that means. Here we have this woman, this prostitute, who comes to Jesus at Simon's house. She would never have come to Simon. She knew Simon wouldn't help her. She knew Suckman had already judged her. And yet she came to Jesus. I think we have a perception problem in our world. The world looks at us and they see a Simon. They see condemnation, judgment instead of forgiveness and grace. I don't know how that's happened. It seems like we've waged war with our our culture instead of actually working to do the things that Christ called us to do. Christ put it in terms of metaphors like yeast. You are yeast and yeast is something that kind of just silently, slowly, unperceptibly starts to grow and transform a world. Jesus calls us light. Light that shines in the darkness or salt, salt that adds flavor and preserves and instead it seems like we've been at odds with our culture and i'm not sure what to do about that i've been thinking on this for about a month now and i haven't come up with any kind of an answer except the one answer okay the the big answer you have to love everybody and that's true i mean but it it kind of seems trite that is the basis of it. we have to learn to love everybody just the way that Jesus loved and maybe the reason I 'm having a trouble actually finding more specific uh, solutions is because each of us has to work that out for ourselves. We have to find our own ways of doing that. so we have a couple of announcements in the in the uh, our bulletin today uh, one about community lunches in Westchester uh, one about reach out Lakota I mean those are ways that we can go out and help people and love them and serve them uh, many of you have been on mission trips to Guatemala or other places or maybe you know it could be just as simple as walking across the yard and talking to our neighbor couldn't it somehow we need to change that perception That the world has about us and especially then don't be simonized (laughs) apologies to the wax company don't be simonized simonized simon was trying to use jesus for his own purposes instead of actually honoring jesus and getting to know jesus Simon used labels as if it would define everything about a person. Now, he looked at that woman and said, she is a sinner. And that means that there is no value, there is nothing worth even saving about her. And we need to do away with labels like that. And I think in particular, it's this comparison problem that Simon had. And I wonder how much we might share in that. That we look at people who are bad off or who are... Their lives are messed up. And you say, "Woo! I'm glad I'm not that bad. Yeah, you know, I got some little problems. They really don't matter. Mine are just $50 sins. They're not any of those big $500 sins. No, uh-uh. I'm doing okay. But it doesn't work that way. See, in God's sight, we're all the same. We're all equal. We all need Him. We all need forgiveness. In God, there are no outcasts. In God, there is no one that he excludes, no matter what label we might want to put upon them. If they've been imprisoned, if they're homeless, if they have any kind of a problem whatsoever, or any other groups that label, that we label, if it's a Republican or a Democrat, if it's an LBGT, whatever the phrase is now, what is it? We these labels don't matter lately uh i've seen we've had a book passed around called the shack uh it was written several years ago maybe up to 10 years ago now um and then the movie just came out recently a couple months ago maybe some of you have seen that one of the things that really gets to me in that book and movie is is mac the main character is talking with god and uh God speaks about a certain person, you know, just they, they mention several people together in this conversation. But every time God mentions a person, always it's with the with the phrase, I'm especially fond of that one. And so finally Max stops and asks God, said, God, is there anyone that you're not especially fond of? And God stops and thinks a minute and says, well not that I can think of and you understand don't you God thinks of everybody (laughs) that we're all, God is especially fond of all of us and that reminds me of what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 2 4, God desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth God has not made a dividing line between anybody any group, any person he includes us all have that choice we have that option we have that opportunity and so it really comes down to a very personal element that we see in this story especially with the woman there is an opportunity here and i say the woman because really simon missed his opportunity he he never got it but the woman did get it there's an opportunity here because everybody needs forgiveness simon needed forgiveness as much as the woman did but he wasn't willing to admit his need see, that's what we have to do. Admit that there's a problem. Admit that we have a need. And open ourselves to allow God's healing to come in and change us and transform us. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what Jesus wants to do in our world. And I think that when we hear that, we, we, we might have the same response that the people had at that dinner party. Jesus turned to the woman and said, Woman, your sins are forgiven people are shocked how can he say that who does he think he is that's not how sins are forgiven you know how sins are forgiven you have to go to jerusalem through the temple take your sacrifice pay the fee offer your sacrifice as an offering on the altar and have the priest come out and then announce to you god has forgiven you that's how you receive forgiveness jesus can't do it John the Baptist can't do it. (laughs) That was what was unique about both Jesus and John. They both talked about forgiveness that was not about offering a sacrifice at the temple. And these people are shocked. Who does he think he is that he can say those things? How can he tell this woman that her sins are forgiven? Who does he think he is? That's the real question that we have to address. Who do you think Jesus is? Jesus turns to the woman and says to her, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Her faith in who Jesus is. It's the same for us. It's when we come to understand who Jesus really is. And what he wants to do in our lives. I want to invite the band to come back up and we'll play our our closing song. And uh, as they come, I want you to see this woman and know, it's, it's obvious with the woman, isn't it? She had no peace in her life. She wanted peace. And she knew her life was a mess she came to Jesus and repented and Jesus changed her life but Simon also had no peace he was covering up the hole in his life and instead of finding the peace that he could have found in Jesus he went away empty Jesus is the key to what we need in this life. What are you looking for? Peace? Love? That's what God has for us. When we come to him and we realize who Jesus is and accept what Christ has done for us, we find forgiveness. We find forgiveness. Will you stand with me as we pray? Father, thank you for the way that you love us, for the way that you care about us, and reach out to us and include us and bring us along despite all the ways that we fall short. So, Lord, we want to open ourselves to you now that we might find the peace that you want to give us. Forgive us of our sins. Change our minds so that we are not caught up in the games of the world but that we open ourselves to see people as you see them to live a life that finds in you peace and joy and love through Christ we pray